This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Did you know Specialty Produce isn't just open for shopping? For groups of six or more, we offer a more in-depth experience that guides our guests through our fruit and vegetable museum, sharing the story of fruits and vegetables that we've discovered through extensive travel and research. Tour guests will also be introduced to our warehouse and get to taste some of our seasonal favorites. Book your specially produced experience today. Welcome to Vibrant Raw Living. I'm your host, Victoria Madian. Join me on a journey of discovering your infinite potential. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I'm going to be sharing a three-part series on how to prepare for the stage, specifically as a competitive dancer. But if anybody else is preparing for any type of performance or speech, there are definitely some tools within this three-part series that will definitely help you. So what I'm going to start out talking about is how to really prepare for competition. The next episode will be touching on what to do while you're actually headed to competition, while you're at the competition, and how to manage yourself there. And then the third part will be after the awards are given and how to kind of debrief about taking the most you can from the experience and being as present as possible. So the first steps that it really takes when you are working hard as a competitive dancer is obviously you want to be in technique classes on a regular basis. I'm going to speak to this specifically if you are competing as a soloist, but this definitely applies if you're doing group routines as well. You want to be in technique classes like ballet on a regular basis, and if you're competing in a contemporary or lyrical routine, tap routine, like you want to be taking technical classes that are going to be supplementing whatever type of dance you're going to be performing on stage. That way that movement is really something your body is used to, and you're going to be working on a lot of different elements, and you can get feedback in those classes from the instructor on how you can improve things. And it's always a good idea to go to your instructors and ask them for constructive criticism. That way you can get better. A lot of people, even when they're young or as they get older, can be really sensitive to criticism and being like, I don't want you to tell me what to do, or this person told me what to do, and now I feel horrible about myself because I'm not good enough. It's an important skill to take constructive criticism, not only when you are being adjudicated at a competition, but while you're in class. You want to be taking into consideration that these comments are meant to help you become a better performer, and that is it. They are not meant to be personal attacks, and you do want to make sure that you're working with professional instructors that are giving you very kind, constructive criticism that's coming from a place where it is meant to help you. I think as far as other supplemental training that can be added to help you prepare for your performance can be doing things like going to intensives during the summer or winter or even spring. There's oftentimes a lot of opportunities to do intensives throughout the year in a variety of different styles. Also throughout the year, go to different dance conventions that may come to your city or in a nearby city. That way you can take from different professional instructors and see other dancers, how they're approaching the movement, how you might be able to take a page out of their book, network with other people there and make some friends and just see what else is going on outside of your studio. 
When it comes to your routine, speaking specifically more so towards a solo, you want to be making sure that you have the routine and knowledge of the routine down. When you're in your private lesson with your instructor, you want to make sure that you're paying clear attention to everything that's going on, not really having a lot of side conversations, staying focused on what you're there to do and learning as much as you possibly can. You're going to want to come to your lesson warmed up, ready to go. That way you can get right into the material and also have the choreography and any previous corrections that were given to you prior top of mind. That way you are ready to execute your routine, do it to the best of your ability, then get further feedback and do it even better the next time. When I'm working with my students in the studio, I like to make sure I give them, you know, I've been working as a choreographer for over 10 years and I've been helping train competitive dancers for closer to 15 years. So that's something that I have a really wide range of experience with. I've worked as a professional choreographer for a while, but before that I was, you know, competing as a dancer from the age of about five and a half and started my training around two in the studio and then was competing with a studio up until age 17, joined a professional company at 18 and continued to do competitive Latin ballroom competitions when I was in college at UCSD. So that's kind of been my realm as far as what I've been involved with. I love competition. I feel like I got so much out of it and there were a lot of different things that helped me prepare for it. But I always wanted to come to my lessons or technique privates warmed up, ready to go and having all those corrections that had been given to me prior top of mind. That's always important. Paying for lessons is not cheap, so you want to make sure that you are maximizing your ability to pay attention to all those details prior to that lesson. If you're getting certain technical corrections throughout your private lesson on maybe your turns, your leaps, your posture, whatever, you want to take that into consideration when you're going into your technique group classes and applying those corrections. Not everyone's always going to spell it out for you. You have to take that discipline towards yourself and make sure you're applying everything that you're learning in your private lessons and in your classes in both areas. As far as reviewing your choreography, you want to make sure that you have at least one video throughout the process of learning your routine as you're learning it at the end of the lesson, have your instructor or your choreographer walk through the routine with you count by count, step by step, with specific details in mind about positioning, head placement, even things like facials, um, any alignment things, but really walking through the choreography. That way, when you come home, you can review it and have all those details taken care of. You also want to have a video of you doing the choreography full out with the music. That way you can see your progression of what you looked like at one point, you know, the next point week after week. That will be something that hopefully will change because there are some adjustments that are typically made to choreography throughout the pre-competition training months and you want to have all these changes in place. There are oftentimes even different corrections and changes made throughout the competition season. So you always want to have your new choreography or the best choreography that you have danced top of mind and have a actual recording of it that you can look at either prior to you going on stage or prior to you coming into your lesson. I definitely recommend a minimum of at least a half hour with your instructor that's helping you clean it. If you have a guest choreographer that did your routine, you want to at least have some one who's a professional helping to clean your routine. That way their eyes can look for the things that the judges are going to see 
and they are going to be able to help you with those things and you'll have a lot more ease when it comes to transitioning that to the stage. Now, a lot of different things that can come up for dancers when they are completing their routine is they may have deficiencies in certain areas. So I'm going to offer my suggestions of what will help with those different things. So sometimes there's an issue of stamina. Stamina is like if you're running out of breath and you're having difficulty completing all of the different requirements throughout your routine, whether it be choreographically or you're running out of you know energy or juice by the end of it and you're not really able to finish with a lot of energy, you want to make sure that you are doing other supplemental training that's going to help you with your stamina. That could look like swimming about maybe 30 minutes a couple times a week. Anything related to cardio that's going to be low impact on your joints. As a dancer, you want to be as easy on your joints as you possibly can. Um, But if your joints are good and you feel comfortable doing other types of exercises that might be a little bit um, harsher on your joints, then by all means, that's up to you. But different exercises that I personally did and recommend doing is doing things like going on the elliptical and getting your heart rate up getting on a treadmill and running or going on the track at maybe your school or your high school or somewhere local where there's a flat surface that's going to be conducive and also have good form when you're doing that. But anything from a spin class, running, Zumba classes, jumping rope, doing sprints, swimming, and even different ballet exercises like doing lots of jumps like sautés or maybe you have a petite allegro combination that really pushes you. Those types of things are really going to push your cardio and it will allow you to get into a state where you're exercising your heart. That way your heart rate can go up and will be stronger because your heart is a muscle just like any other muscle in your body and you want to make sure it's really strong and strengthened that way you can be able to get through your routine and have a lot of stamina and finish it all of the elements with a lot of strength and feel really good about your performance the other issue that some dancers can have um, among others is alignment so sometimes there might be a shoulder that's popping down a head tilted a little bit hip lifted you know, foot kind of going out the weird way. So you want to make sure you're, again, staying in your consistent technique classes. If you're having issues with your alignment, I definitely recommend getting into ballet more often, maybe even doing a ballet private, doing other things that will help your alignment like Pilates or even yoga. So if you're able to access some of these things, there's a lot of different resources online, um, Pilates videos, yoga videos, and even ballet technical exercises as videos. If you are having issues with alignment, though, it is important to have, I think, the eyes of another person on you or have a mirror that you can practice in front of. That way, at least you can see what your body looks like. Or you have somebody else who might be able to see things that are going on with your body and give you technical corrections about it that you may not otherwise be receiving. When it comes to core balance, sometimes people are not able to stabilize in different extensions or turns. I think it's always really important, and I know I work with my dancers on this, is strengthening a lot of the smaller muscles in the core area. So all the muscles surrounding the hips Um, And rib cage are really, really important to strengthen because as a dancer, you are doing a lot of things that require balance. And as a young dancer that is transitioning to a more mature dancer, you're going to be going through puberty. Your hips widen, your, you know, bones will lengthen, your tendons will be changing. It may put a little bit more stress on your knees, your hamstrings, your ankles, repetitive exercises on certain areas of your body. So it may be causing more stress to those areas. And 
I know that I had overuse injuries on my knees, my ankles, things here and there, just because I was training so much. And when I was going through different growth spurts, it affected my flexibility as well. So one thing you always want to make sure you're conditioning is your core and even smaller muscles like your hip flexors. You want to be stretching and strengthening those a lot to make sure that you have the ability to control your legs, especially when they're in alisacone or in second position, extending up to a developé or what have you. You want to make sure that those all those muscles are really accessible for you as well as your lower back muscles. So I definitely recommend using things like stretch bands and doing some repetitive exercises with those or even training with light weights. So you may want to do things including, you know, using things like ankle weights or putting them on your arms to Um, add a little bit of resistance or even try training and running through your routine if you have good alignment already and use the ankle weights to just strengthen some of the other areas of your body. One thing that I would do is wear ankle weights while I was actually doing my routine and it would make it a little bit more difficult to get into the air or do some of the jumps but then once you once I took them off my legs would feel so light afterwards because the correct muscles were already engaged. So that's something that I would actually do before I went on stage while I was warming up, but I'll get to that little secret later. When it comes to strength, sometimes there's a lot of different technical elements that require a lot more upper body strength or strength in the legs to stabilize. And I think using an addition of lightweight, anything between like two and a half to 10 pounds, depending on what's right for you. You can either work with a personal trainer or work with someone who actually works on training dancers to strengthen certain areas of your body. That way it can maximize your performance. And sometimes even gymnastics instructors or people that work within that realm can really help with that. If you're having more tricks or things of that nature where you need to be strengthening your upper body, then there can be a lot of different exercises that can be used to do that. When it comes to your transitions, this is oftentimes a really overlooked area of the routine. So having been a judge, I judged for two seasons of Dance Moms, there is something that really makes a difference between a dancer who has a lot of poise and a lot of presence on stage and has very elegant movements and clean technique. You can have an amazing technical dancer, but if they're not finishing their jumps, their leaps, their turns, their movements completely from how they go from one thing to the next, it is going to affect the fluidity of the routine and it's not going to be as pleasant to watch. So when it comes to transitions, you want to make sure that you're in a really good jazz or progressions class that involves across the floor work or you're picking up some type of combination work in those classes because when you're doing across the floor work oftentimes there's turns extensions leaps floor work all combined in one exercise and you want to be able to get through that exercise as with as much fluidity as possible and make sure you are finishing every single movement before you go into the next thing and taking time to connect with yourself the music the audience and the judges in those moments So if you're having issues with your transitions, again, get into a progressions class or a jazz technique class that involves different across the floor movement and allows you to really work on your technique as you're going across the floor. 
when it comes to fluidity, sometimes there can be dancers that they are just holding a lot of tension in their shoulders or in different areas of their body, and it really affects their ability to feel the fluidity of the music and how things are supposed to, you know, just like stretching through and lengthening a little bit more through the legs and the arms or even the shoulders and the neck. Just really extending your lines can be so important and creating beautiful shapes with your body can also be something that's a little bit challenging. So getting into a good contemporary class, ballet or lyrical class will really help you with that because contemporary lyrical and modern movement do combine a lot of different uh, types of movement that involve a lot of fluid movements, whereas jazz is a lot more staccato, it's a lot more sharp. Same thing with hip-hop. I mean, there's obviously genres of hip-hop and jazz that can have those elements to it, but you are going to get a little bit more when it comes to fluidity of movement in classes like lyrical, modern, or ballet. So if you're having issues with that, even just working on your port de bras at the bar can be really, really important as far as how you're using the connection between your upper body, your eye contact, your chin, your neck, and your arms. You want to have a good port de bras not only at the bar, but throughout your movement as a dancer when you're moving across the floor, out center, and especially on stage. When it comes to performance quality, sometimes dancers can get into the habit where they think, Oh, I'll just mark it in the studio and my facials come out when I do it on the stage. I have heard this so many times. It's like a broken record. You need to practice your facials in the studio as much as possible. Your facial muscles are just like any other muscle of your body. I've seen time and time again, beautiful dancers get out on stage and they have very little to no facials going on or only in certain areas or it comes across very awkward. And if that element of the performance was taken care of, it would give so much more for the audience to connect to because oftentimes when you're watching a dancer, Yes, you're looking at the body, but you're looking at the facial expressions. You're looking for something to connect to, and you want to be able to feel the emotion of the piece. And if you're not expressing that through your face, then you're not really fully performing. Really, you want to be showing through the emotions of your face. So I really recommend dancers try different dance styles like musical theater where it is so expressive. You know, it's over the top. You're not only usually doing some type of vocal work or lip singing, which makes you have to use your face. And when it comes to musical theater on that note, I have to say musical theater and some tap and some jazz, I think it's okay Um to mouth the words while you're dancing on stage but really anything else it looks really tacky and I think I would only take it there as far as mouthing the words if it is suggested to you by your instructor in a tap or a jazz class but unless it's musical theater I don't advise dancers to be mouthing the words because you wouldn't do that if you were on stage performing with like a jazz or contemporary or or even like you know, hip-hop can be kind of one of those things where it's borderline too, but that should really be noted by the choreographer. Don't go ahead and just do that randomly by yourself. Save that for musical theater. Don't do it really in other styles. That's just my suggestion when it comes to that. But for performance quality, I do recommend that for body and expressiveness and just really getting out of your comfort zone that you head into a hip-hop class or a musical theater class because you're really going to have to use your whole body and really be expressive to do that. Um, A tap class can also help if you are having issues with rhythm. So if you're having issues with rhythm, this can be another thing that 
dancers deal with. Sometimes they're just not hearing or counting in music. For me, I actually played the drums in middle school, and that really helped me you know, I felt like it was a great symbiotic relationship between my love for tap dancing and my love for rhythm, you know, playing a musical instrument. But, you know, I played everything from a lot of different percussive instruments. It's not just one instrument that you play when you're practicing percussions, everything from big gongs to bass drums, snare, cymbals. It's really, really important to have a range or a way that you can relate to rhythm, whether you're practicing counting or something of that nature. That's why tap classes are so important because they do teach you a lot of rhythm and rhythm is very present in all aspects of dance. And whether it's a slower rhythm, whether it's a little bit more abstract and maybe really, really postmodern type of dances, it's always important to know where the beat is and to be moving your body to that beat, to be breathing with the rhythm and the beat. That's so, so important. When it comes to flexibility, a lot of dancers have issues with this when it comes to their connection to their body, especially as they're maturing through their teen years. Most of the time, dancers are going through growth spurts, and I know I dealt with this, and it was really challenging to keep up with my splits. Not only that, when you're conditioning a lot, it can leave you pretty sore, and it can make it very painful to stretch. Personally, what helped me is actually taking a magnesium supplement. So magnesium is really important because it does support um, muscular, bone, just overall, like keeping your cortisol levels in balance. So if you're experiencing a lot of stress, then magnesium is actually something that works in the body to counteract a lot of cortisol. So you don't want to take too much magnesium because it actually can affect your digestive system and it can have a laxative type effect. So you don't want to take too much. But basically, magnesium does work as a muscle relaxant. So if you are working out a lot and you're putting a lot of stress and strain on your muscles, it's really important to make sure that you're consuming a dietary form of potassium, which balances out the amount of lactic acid and sodium you might be having and in your body. And um, having magnesium is just really supportive towards like muscle maintenance, healing, and all that jazz. I recommend taking an appropriate dose of magnesium and using anything that really helps you as far as like anything that's anti-inflammatory. If you want to go more of a natural route, you can go towards like, you know, having things like turmeric. And if you need to go more medicinal route or pharmaceutical route, there's obviously things like ibuprofen and a whole range of different options in between. White flower oil as far as different things that I used to get as massages and things and still do get occasionally from time to time. But anytime I had a lot of intense soreness, um, a masseuse that I worked with would use like this white flower oil, which has a bit of an icy hot effect to it and really helps relax the muscles as well. When it comes to flexibility, there are a lot of different things that you can do, but I definitely recommend especially stretching out your hips and your hamstrings quite often. There is a series that I do with my dancers that is really, really helpful for this, and you just really get in the hip, you really get in the hamstring, and you really work the hip alignment so that everything is stretched out appropriately, Um, especially getting into the quadricep muscles And really deep into the psoas and the hips, important to make sure all of that is stretched out because if not, it can put a lot of stress on your knees, your ankles, and your lower back. That's never fun. And having stress in those areas can actually cause you to be more emotionally stressed as well 
because your body's just going to be in a little bit more discomfort and pain, which can affect other aspects of your health. But there's everything that you can use from just stretching on your own. You can use blocks, props, take a yoga class, or do some type of yin yoga stretching. Yin yoga is a little bit different than other styles of yoga in the sense that you hold the postures for longer and you allow your body to release. Something else that really helps is using a type of breathing that allows you to relax deeper into the muscles. And this is something that I really got to use a lot in my yoga practice and really helped me in my yoga practice. Basically, if you inhale for a certain amount of counts, let's say you inhale for four counts, you're going to exhale for eight. What this does, you're taking a conscious effort to slow down your breathing. And in your act of doing that, it kind of has a effect on the nervous system that almost tricks your body into being calm. Maybe even when you mentally don't feel calm, it will trick your nervous system into calming down. And this is a really good breathing technique if you're just stressed or you want to use it at any point of the day to just kind of slow down a bit, taking time to inhale and maybe even hold it for that amount of time. So maybe inhale for four counts, hold it for four counts, exhale for eight counts and hold it for eight counts, that's going to get you even deeper in your relaxation. Allowing your body to relax allows you to stretch deeper. Oftentimes, granted that you're not dealing with inflammation and other injuries or any pulled muscles or anything like that. So that's something really, really important to keep in mind. And I think when it comes to recovery and all that type of stuff, I'll probably discuss that another time. But there are a lot of different tools and things that you can do in forms of different massage or using different things like tennis balls or foam rolling and things of that nature that can all be really helpful to help you stretch out your muscles a little bit more, especially when you're going through beatings in your conditioning classes. (laughs) So another thing that can be a little bit frustrating for dancers when they're preparing for the stage or even getting used to like learning new choreography can be picking up new movement. One of the things that I recommend dancers do is you can actually make an audio or have your instructor record an audio of all of the movements and the counts. That way you can listen to it while you're doing other things or you can just put in headphones or AirPods or something like that and be able to walk through the movement and have the counts playing in the background. Also, you know, doing things like going to conventions, staying in regular classes where you're having to learn new combinations on a regular basis or especially progressions and across the floors can really help you because that will help you pick up the choreography a little bit better. And even kind of aligning certain areas of the choreography, maybe with different colors or textures or objects or shapes that can kind of help you connect the choreography to certain areas of the dance where you're able to perform it a little bit better or at least remember it better as well. Another thing dancers can have an issue with is sometimes a vulnerability. And this kind of ties in with performance quality as well. But being vulnerable involves an element of risk and uncertainty. And anytime you step out on the stage, there is definitely risk and uncertainty. Regardless of how much you've prepared for your routine, it really takes a very skilled performer who's very comfortable with vulnerability to, for example, get on stage and just completely improv their routine. Um, I've had times where I literally did this and competed and, and actually pretty scored pretty well. It takes a lot of time of building that skill of feeling comfortable in improvisation, feeling comfortable being vulnerable on stage and feeling really exposed emotionally. 
and just you know you're on stage just you typically if you're doing a solo or something and you really have to feel very comfortable in your own skin to do that getting into classes where you can improvise where you can practice just moving freely in your body and feel good in that and oftentimes there can sometimes be classes that are specific to improvisation but also things that are related to contemporary and lyrical classes as well so oftentimes in lyrical and contemporary classes there'll be an opportunity to usually improv across the floor or out center to a variety of different music and there may even be different prompts given i know that when i instruct an improvisation either segment in class or even dedicate an entire class to improvisation i give a lot of prompts i don't just turn on music and be like okay go for it because then i'm not really teaching anything so there's a lot of different ways to approach the movement a lot of different ways you can use your imagination to um give the movement a different quality and explore different ways of using your body ultimately this helps you get more comfortable in your skin and the more easier it's going to be perform and do what's actually asked of you in the choreography and feel comfortable in that the other thing dancers can sometimes have an issue with is connection to the routine i know there are plenty of times where i was growing up and i was dancing to music or you know doing a routine as far as when it came to the lyrics i had no connection to the lyrics or the song And really, as a performing artist or a dancer, you are taking on a character, essentially. And there might be aspects of that character, just like an actor, that they can relate to or different life experience that allows you to relate to the character. Maybe you lost a pet or something and that, you know, the the artist in the song lyrically is is discussing loss maybe they lost a relationship they lost the love of their life or they you know usually it's along those lines to be honest but when you're young and you're dancing to these things and you just haven't really lived that life yet (laughs) it can be a little bit tricky to connect to it so you want to see not only where the artist of the song is coming from and listen to the instrumental qualities of the music to connect to that on a more subtle level You also want to maybe ask the choreographer, why did you choose this song and how do you relate to it and what's your story that you have behind this piece and why you're creating it? And you can also talk to maybe some of the other dancers and be like, how do you relate to this song? Think about maybe creating a character, use your imagination and create a character that maybe isn't you, but brings the things that you've experienced to it, you try to bring that character to life on stage. And that can be a way of kind of separating yourself from maybe the depth of the piece because, you know, there's definitely songs and pieces that I did when I was younger that were really, really heavy, um, but also really light. Sometimes people talking about, you know, anything from borderline kind of age appropriate, not <laughs> not so much like a material. Sometimes when it comes to like jazz dances, sometimes it's a little bit like musical theater. It's like a little bit more mature, a little bit more like sexy and sensual and you know it's important to be like careful with that to not get to the point where it's um overboard but there's a way to approach that in a way that's sometimes like tasteful so i know for me as a choreographer whenever it comes to especially working with younger students giving them choreography that they can approach and music that they can approach in such a way that is age appropriate shows their technical abilities allows them to perform and use all aspects of their performance in such a way that doesn't compromise their true youth and their innocence in such a way where taken to a place that maybe it doesn't need to go. 
it's really important to keep it age appropriate when it comes to that stuff. But there are oftentimes that you will be uh, dancing to a piece where you're like, I have no idea what the song is about or what the story is here. And if that connection's not happening, it can definitely affect the overall performance because you're not really going to have passion or anything to relate to behind what your piece is. I know for me as a choreographer, I've had the benefit of being able to work with students that I knew for years and have known for years and have been able to take different aspects or qualities about things that have been going on in their external life into their piece. For example, um, you know, I've worked with students that recently lost a family member and drawing that pain into the piece that they're going to be working through. Or they might be going through a really difficult time with something and that can be brought into it. Or they might be really excited about this new thing or they really need to come out of their shell as far as their confidence and that's going to be their growth. I never give students a piece that really meets them entirely where they're at. Most of it, I would say like maybe 80% of it will meet them where they're at, but 20% of that piece is going to be getting them out of their comfort zone, giving them new tricks and new things to really help them grow over the course of the year because that needs to be happening. You don't want to stay where you're at in your comfort zone. You want to be pushed. And I know that it's always really important to push my dancers and giving them something to connect to as far as the routine will allow that to happen, whether it's their own personal experience, helping them get in the head of the character that they are portraying on stage and sharing my insights about the piece. It's always really, really important because because as a dancer, your connection to the routine helps other people connect to you, helps the judges connect to you, the other audience members connect to you. For me, one of the best compliments I could get with one of my solos that I did when I was 17 was a really, really heavy lyrical dance. And it was, you know, really discussing being in a relationship and being brokenhearted and not understanding why all of it was happening. And I had never even been in a relationship at that point, but I had seen different relationships. I had seen friends of mine experience pain and being broken up with and cry and, you know, different marriages or, you know, family friends or things where things aren't going well and you see it firsthand or even having exposure to movies where you see the pain of people that, you know, things aren't working out. I was able to bring that as a character to the performance and I would have parents come up to me and be like, that made me cry. Like parents that were not even my parents, like people I literally didn't even know. And to have that connection of creating that character, bringing it to the stage, and causing people to feel an emotional, physical, mental reaction to what you're doing, and possibly even spiritual, is really the sign that of a, of a great performer. And I'm not just trying to like toot my own horn here, but these are things that you really want to be taking into consideration because your power as a performer goes beyond just going on stage and showing yourself and being like, look at me, everybody. Like It's so much more than that. You really have an opportunity to heal people with your performance and give them something to, you know, in the space of their little theater chair that they're watching from in this little, you know, dark theater that they're watching in or potentially huge theater that they're watching in. In that little space, they might be able to allow emotions to come up that otherwise they wouldn't be able to feel because you're showing up, you're connecting with them, you're being vulnerable on stage, and you are evoking that emotion within yourself and within them. And in that moment, they feel safe to let maybe things that are deep inside of them come up and come out and feel them 
that is the power that you have as a performer to potentially tap into that. And that's a gift. I think every aspect of performance can be so healing, whether it's the creation of the music, how the music is cut, the vocals, the story behind the vocalist and the lyricist that made those vocals. Oftentimes that can be a processing of pain or past experiences or even joy, any type of emotions. The choreographer setting that choreography for the dancer, the dancer dancing the choreography and the audience that gets to experience it. This can all be a very healing process if you allow it to. So don't limit your routine and your performance to just simply going out there and showing off yourself. Like it's a lot more than that. It can be a lot more than that. And I really encourage people to take the time to connect to what they're actually doing, really connect to themselves before going on stage. That way you can have the most optimal performance possible. Next, you really want to have your facials in place. This kind of goes back to performance quality, but really specifically on facials, it is important to highlight different areas of the piece, color it in a certain way, and pick certain areas of the song that maybe you really feel an authentic connection to and let that come out through your face. I know my dancers can sometimes be like, what is my face supposed to look like in lyrical? And they might, you know, be like, am I supposed to feel desire? Am I in pain? I don't necessarily advise my dancers to do like what I call quote unquote like constipation face. Excuse me if that offends anybody, but like you don't want to be kind of like looking like you're in pain or like scrunching your face just because it doesn't really look good from the audience like and it doesn't really make you look the best. I mean, sometimes you have to take it there, but ideally, if you don't have to, there's a way to get through dances with using elegant, beautiful facials that still flatter your facial expressions, but they convey the emotion at the same time. And you want to work with an instructor that can help you do that and even demonstrate what that looks like because you don't want to go on stage and be throwing a fit during what could be a really beautiful lyrical routine and then you end up showing up and it's like it just doesn't fit or it's too much or too little. So you want to make sure that that's in place. What can really help with this is taking time to practice in a mirror, um, whether that's in the studio or at home, really listening to your music and, and find those places within the choreography where you might have a moment to express something facially or what have you. You know, let that emotion come and flow through your body and you want it to be showing up on your face because the audience is really looking at your face as kind of a window. The eyes are really the window to the soul, especially when it comes to performers. So you want to have intensity in your eyes if that's what the routine requires or softness or pain or whatever. You really have to get into it to let that come up. Happiness. Let it start from your eyes and then let it come to the other areas of your face. So that's all I'm going to share with you guys as far as how to prepare. A lot of this preparation can either take place at home or in the studio. And this is a lot of really good stuff that you guys can do to prepare before you get ready for competition day or getting ready to compete. So I hope you found this useful. And if you're getting ready for competition, I hope you really enjoy yourself and stay tuned for the next couple parts of the series because I'm definitely going to be sharing a couple other insights or many other insights that are going to be really helpful for maximizing your experience while you're competing, as well as how to kind of debrief and 
take everything into consideration that you learned and learn the most you can out of every single competition and experience you have within that realm. Thank you for tuning in to Vibrant Raw Living. Remember that you are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of achieving and maintaining your dreams as much as anyone else. If you have found this podcast useful, please subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud and share it with your friends and family. You can find links to my Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest, and Snapchat in the show notes below. And if you'd like to follow me for updates, which I only share via email, come on over to my website at victoriamadian.com. I love you and I'm wishing you a wonderful day. Go out there and discover your infinite potential. 